I will say that I've had a lot of PTSD centered around evangelism. You know, uh, pastors kind of treat baptism or my baptism like my virginity. The success of your evangelistic series was how scared people were about the messages that you had presented. You gotta win people's hearts um, before you can win their heads. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Where's God? Hey guys, uh, I'm Johnny. And I'm Michael. And uh, this episode's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, we're, we started off this season talking about churchianity, Christianity, um, how to compare the two. And I think this is a great continuation of the episode after we talked about conspiracies. So uh, yeah, Michael, where, where are we going with this episode? So as we were putting the season together, it became apparent to us that sometimes in churchianity that evangelism has been misused. Now, Jesus within Christianity tells us that we need to go out and share good news. Um, the euangelion, that's where the Greek word where we get evangelism from. Um, but in a lot of ways, our generation and this generation and generations in the past have struggled with evangelism because sometimes it's felt heavy-handed, sometimes it's felt forced uh, without true relationship. And today we're doing things a little bit different because we uh, sat down and had some conversations with a few of our friends and colleagues who are currently pastoring um, in North America right now. Yeah, so we have a couple of dreams for you as you listen to this episode. First of all, we want you to know that you're not alone, perhaps in some of the feelings and critiques that you have had on maybe evangelism that you have either experienced or have been a part of. And the second one, we want you to know that there are people that can uh, uh, join you in giving vocabulary for how to talk about this and how to critique it. Those go very hand in hand, but, mm -hmm. but those are the kind of dreams that I have for you because I know as we uh, re-listened to this episode, these interviews, I had to keep pausing it and say, yes, that thing, I'm frustrated with that, or yes, that thing's beautiful, I want to do more of that. So, so we're hoping that you have these, <laughs> these strong reactions just like we do. Absolutely, and ultimately this episode is just a conversation starter like Johnny said, just to get the ball rolling, to get us talking about evangelism and about what our church does well and what it could do better. So as we begin our episode today, I'd like to introduce to you our guests so you get familiar with their voices and who they are. Yeah, um, April Snyder. Warmly, my title is like Associate Chaplain at Southwestern Adventist University. I'm also a student at Andrews. I'm in the MDiv program and I'm in public health, so I'm like swinging in a lot of directions. So I would say I am heavy chaplain, heavy student. My name is Olga Falakiseni. I'm pastoring out in Colleen. Uh, my position right now is Associate Pastor. My gifts are not in the typical uh, pastoral role. You know, I, I like people. I like Jesus, and I like to share them. So my name is Tyson Kaler. I'm a pastor uh, of a free church district in Northwest Minnesota, where the nights are long, the winters are cold, and the snow is a blast. Uh, so my name is Daniel Escalante. Uh, I am in Savannah, Georgia right now. Uh, I'm the senior pastor to two Hispanic churches, and so that has been quite the adventure so far. Man, evangelism is kind of an all-encompassing word that, in some ways, I guess in my mind, it defines, well, the definition of uh, evangelism would include what we all do as a church um, in sharing good news. Um, there's a lot of bad news in the world, and um, this world needs some good news. And so evangelism, literally, um, the, in my mind, is the spreading of the gospel, the good news. Um, in whatever context we find ourselves in, using whatever means we have, and uh, and using any relationships that we come in contact with and have. So, in a nutshell, I guess I, I don't have a technical definition of evangelism, but I don't have a lot of uh, use for uh, good technical definitions, I suppose. Um, I think evangelism, honestly, is sharing Jesus. Um, 
to whomever and whenever and wherever. I think that's that's the simple version of it. Evangelism is sharing Jesus and hoping that that sharing opportunity you were given plants a seed um, that God may grow now or later or whenever, but just sharing him. That's what evangelism is to me. Uh, just hearing the word evangelism just brings back uh, memories of, you know, evangelistic series, uh, Mark of the Beast uh, posters and flyers, very traditional, very back in the day uh, type of presentations and things like that. So I, I would say like, just based off of that, as soon as I hear the word evangelism, as soon as so like someone brings it up, like, I, I wouldn't say it's like 100% negative, but maybe like 75% negative experiences <laughs> to 25% positive. <laughs> and the positive only comes from like the new, newer ways of evangelism that I've gotten the chance to be a part of. So, yeah. I will say that I've had a lot of PTSD centered around evangelism. So it's becoming more of a positive word, but in the beginning it was had negative connotation. So I'm a first generation Adventist. Uh, I would say like my older siblings are not Adventists, just my parents and I. And you know, new Adventists tend to just go hard a lot of times. And my parents were definitely those Adventists. And uh, I grew up at all of those evangelistic meetings with the poster and the beasts. I guess kind of growing up, you know, growing up uh, in the church, so to speak, um, being surrounded by Christian influence my whole life. Um, I had this idea of what evangelism was and it fit neatly into this box of, you know, three or four weeks of nightly meetings, um, covering every doctrine that we can possibly think of. Um, and, you know, bathing people in, the Bible as much as we can, and hopefully as much as it is, as much of it as much of it as possible sticks. Um, baptize them at the end if you can, and hope they stick around. You know, you go through classes and stuff, and you hear about what it's supposed to be like. Evangelism is like um, a series that lasts between. 10 days to maybe 14 days or maybe 14 lessons that you cover, you cover the fundamental beliefs um, and you break that down with fancy slides and then, uh, and then you hope to have a couple of baptisms at the end and then you um, pretty much you, you go to the next. One of the measures of your, the success of your evangelistic series was how scared people were about the messages that you had presented. So if like they were scared enough that, you know, you scared them into the church, then you had done a great job <laughs> and that was great evangelism. And so, um, so that's, it was kind of like the idea that I had uh, as I was growing up. It was all the time, you know, just constant evangelism and it was all end time evangelism. That was the only type of evangelism I was familiar with. I didn't know there was anything else besides that. When I think evangelism, I think tent, outside, poster, Jesuit, Pope, beasts. So as a child, you know, every, I was constantly being bombarded with that type of evangelism. I think that type of evangelism has its place. Um, there are people who are, have been reached that way and who become lifelong um, servants of God. Um, and that's fantastic. Um, however, the world is changing. And I, in so many ways, that's not the way a lot of people, especially my generation, your generation, uh, millennials um, are not, not being reached with that message. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that, with that method. The message doesn't change. Um. That's, that's really what originally I thought it was, um, but my perspective on that has changed. So what is that type of evangelism? Oof. Well, that type of evangelism with the beasts, with the Pope, with the Jesuits, um, I, I'll be honest and acknowledge ignorance. I don't know if other faith denominations focus so much on that as much as our faith denomination, uh, Seventh-day Adventism, 
But, you know, if if you have been in the Seventh-day Adventist church, you hear these things and you just nod and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know about that stuff. So, Michael, like, how would you explain this to somebody that maybe doesn't have that background? Yeah, uh, I think Daniel, one of our guests, put it well in that Seventh-day Adventist evangelism centered around how scared people were at the end. And Mm. a lot of it painted this picture of you've got to do this list of things to be right and ready um, before um, probation closes or the, the, the day of no return comes when there's no possible way for you to be saved again. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of scary images in Daniel and Revelation, those books of the Bible. Like, I'll give him that. Like, Daniel himself, like, becomes sick after one of his visions because he doesn't understand it and it's so scary and everything else. Uh, and Adventism historically, well... Between, I would say, like the early 1900s into the early 2000s, so almost 100 years. <laughs> uh, and really the time frame that we're talking about is uh, 1990s, early 2000s, um, had centered around this kind of fear tactic of let me portray this really, really bad image of the end. And you don't want to go down like that. So you need to follow Jesus. Mm. And, and let's be honest, fear as a tactic works. Mm-hmm. It does push mm-hmm. people a certain way. Mm-hmm. But the issue that we're seeing, I, I think, I think this, this is more than just an Adventist issue. I think this is a Christian issue right now that we're yeah. seeing. Fear drives people, like I just said, but it doesn't keep people. Yeah. And it doesn't go through adversity. Love is the thing that will keep people. Love is the thing that will make you stay. And you know, we're, we're seeing that our evangelistic method doesn't mesh well, particularly with millennials and uh, younger because fear-based things, we just say, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just not do that. You know, we realize we have the choice to not do this thing that we're being pushed into doing. So, so, so there's like this collective angst of not enjoying this pressure, especially when it's associated with the Jesus that we know would never do something like that. Yeah, exactly. And our good friend Garrison broke this down eloquently in his video on conspiracy theories that we got to comment on in the last episode of Where's God. So if you want more on that, I think we can dive even further if you you know finish this episode, but then go back and listen to uh, episode three of season two on Where's Logic. Uh, and that fear plays a big factor in motivating people, but for the wrong reasons, and it ultimately reaps the wrong results. Mm. All right, let's get back to it. I remember uh, one time, I think it was uh, a field school experience. I can't remember if it was in undergrad or graduate school, but um, I remember that one of the evangelistic preachers had us hand out these um, decision cards to people. And so anyone that decided to get baptized had to fill out this decision card or a commitment card, I think it was. And so on the back of it was like all of our doctrines, you know, quote unquote doctrines. And it was things like, you know, from now on, you know, I'm never going to smoke again from now on. I'm never going to, you know, um, eat pork or, you know, dip, like just going through a checklist. And the idea was that they had to agree to each of these items before they could get baptized. And so, it, it, yeah. So as soon as like, you know, they're like, OK, I heard your message. What you just told me was that Jesus would accept me just as I am. But now as I come into the back office, now you give me this commitment card. and It's like, wait, Jesus can accept me, but I have to do all of these things. And so it's a lot of pressure to put on someone. And so it, it leaves no room for growth. It leaves no room for them to really experience uh, transformation in, in their life. Um, we kind of see, we kind of give the message, maybe unintentionally, that your decision is the end of your journey. Like you, this, this is it for you. When really baptism and uh, a relationship that you decide to start with Jesus, that's the start of it. You know, like there's so many more things that he's going to do for you. It's a lot of pressure to put on someone. And it's almost no different from the kind of pressure that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and religious leaders of Jesus's time used to put on the people back then. You know, they um, people just wanted to follow God, keep the Sabbath. And they were like, okay, you can, but as long as you do all of these things. And it became such a burden that... Um, not even they could follow it perfectly, yet they were the ones judging other people on whether they were following it perfectly or not. 
So um, in, in that sense, I, I don't think it works uh, as, as well as we think it does. We don't need to be putting pressure on people. The Holy Spirit has his gentle ways of putting pressure on people's hearts and they, they start asking questions. They start coming to conviction and then we need to be ready and available. It, it, my, my, my method, if you can call it that, and it's not really mine, it's just one that I have adopted is you got to win people's hearts um, before you can win their heads. Um, and sometimes it kind of happens at the same time. Uh, not, not one person is uh, just like the next. So it's, it's not as simple as adopt this method and you'll be successful. It's not that simple, right? So in my churches, we, we try to do different things that will reach different groups of people in different ways. I believe that 100% evangelism is a way that you live. Um, presentations are actually a very small part of evangelism. And I think that's the idea that um, the idea that you could actually put those series and presentations on the back burner even, or even allow like maybe people that are, you know, into that, that do like reaching people through those presentations that you could still have it, but then you could also add, you know, a lot of other elements of evangelism to it to kind of, you know, augment it or make it a little bit uh, stronger. Uh, and that comes from like things like friendship evangelism and, you know, the church just like reaching out, going on into the community, uh, things like that. Um, I think coupled all of those things together, I think would make an even better evangelistic um, approach. So definitely, I think it's a way you live. It's a way of doing things. Presentations are a small part of it. Uh, but the biggest and the most um, blessing that I would say that you get from doing evangelism is from the friendship part, the, the rest of it, I guess you could say. Oh, man. Summer camp has given me every tool that I use for evangelism today. Um, summer camp was the best training I've ever had, better than any class, better than any seminar. I, uh, it, it, it literally changed the way I, you know, and I, I say this because I grew up in a church and we went through a lot. There was a lot of scandal there was so many situations and I will tell you that maybe one and myself out of the whole youth group is still in the church. Mm. But I am the only one that went to summer camp and I will say if I did not experience that, I don't know if I would still be in the church. Mm. So summer camp really was evangelism to me. It was a, it was a form on how to, it, it, it was a rubric on how to adjust and live my life. It gave me like an area to cultivate. Mm -hmm. It gave me time to grow and it gave me influence to use, but also to learn from. So I think that all of those elements helped me. And I learned all the tips and tools that I use from my personal walk with Christ today. And that is, the best form of evangelism. If you're going to evangelize the saints and encourage the growth in the church, it has to be practical and it needs to lift up Jesus. And so I learned that through summer camp. I learned all the practical tips that I use today. I didn't learn that through any evangelism seminar and I never learned that in school. I learned that through summer camp. And I think that's why the people of my generation don't go to church is because they didn't learn how to walk with Jesus. And I learned that at summer camp. So I would say that summer camp really taught me uh, how to evangelize, and it also kept me in the church as a tool of evangelism. It was a huge tool of evangelism, so I think it's an extremely important ministry. And I know for sure that people that work at summer camp are less likely to leave the church mm -hmm. later on. So I was at summer camp one summer. I was working as the uh, pastor for the camp that summer. So that meant that I was there to kind of minister to the team that was in charge of camp. So I got to be there. I was there a lot. Um, I was hanging out with certain people and one of the staff members, she came up to me and she was talking to me about baptism. And she was like, you know, uh, pastors kind of treat baptism or my baptism like my virginity. Like you always want to be the first one. And I'm like, I was floored. I could not 
believe it because there was such a push to baptize in that context. You know, like I, I had some an individual who was like, oh, you're working with the staff? Like, um, uh, I told someone this specific story and the, the response was, well, did you baptize them? I was like, what? Like, it just blew my mind because she was pretty much saying like, they're not really interested in who I am. They're interested in being that person who baptizes me. But after the baptism, like, where are they? And that really shook my perspective, yeah. And so at that point, I realized, you know, even the way I was taught to invite people to Bible study was like, just ask them, you have something great to offer. I agree with that. We have a great message to offer. You do want to extend Bible study totally. Uh, but I hesitate now to let that be something I offer before I get to know them um, and who they are, where they've been. Uh, at least, so I just, I, I don't ever want to come across as, have you been baptized yet? Let me baptize you. Um, I want people to realize that it's it's a relational thing, so. In, in a word, it's relationships. That's, you have to just, and, and at so many different angles, that word relationships, it's it's my relationships with the members of my churches. It's my relationships with people in the community. It's church members having relationships with people in their community, uh, within their sphere of influence. Our method of reaching people is long and it's messy. And sometimes, sometimes the way we've painted evangelism, I don't think it's the way it has to be, but the way we've painted it is that it's quick and it's 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 touchless it's very covid friendly like you go in there you just give them a pamphlet you say god bless and you don't walk with them through life but evangelism takes years you know sometimes it takes 10 years to get your neighbor to see you more than just a bible thumping church goer it takes a messy relationship it takes you coming over there caring about them. And I don't think we label that evangelism. I think we just label it personal ministry. Mm -hmm. But I think anything outreach related is evangelism. Mm -hmm. And that is where my view started shifting is when I thought, wow, me going out in a food bank is evangelism. And it doesn't have to be me putting a pamphlet in someone's hand. Me walking with someone through their life through the ups and downs, my neighbor giving them cookies and just being with them and existing in their space is evangelism. That's when my view started changing because I, you know, and I felt kind of silly because before I just thought if it was, if it's not literature evangelism, if it's not me putting a pamphlet in someone's hand, then it's not really evangelism. And I think we do ourselves a great disservice by only relating evangelism to that phrase and that, that part, that portion of work. So I know as Johnny and I were interviewing these people that both of us, these people, <laughs> our friends, <laughs> hello, <laughs> that sometimes the the descriptions of, of what evangelism had, had been for them or their experiences like really broke our hearts. At least they did mine uh, in, in talking with Olga and, and how she shared about that. Um, yeah, just, just jumping in, especially what Olga said about basically like taking virginity is what, you know, <laughs> baptisms feel like. And, you know, the irony of this is the people that come across as obsessed with baptisms are the one that are, ones that are actually defacing the value of it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, people hear our perspective and would be like, oh, you just are finding excuses for why you're not having the baptisms that, you know, our, our quota should be, or, you know, something along those lines. But in reality, I, I would argue that from our perspective, we see it as incredibly valuable. So hearing these statements of, you know, oh, did you get baptized? Or, oh, you know, hey, nice to meet you. Are you baptized? I'm a pastor. You know, like those kinds of things really put a really, really bad taste in my mouth mm -hmm. because not only is that deplorable, but it also those kinds of stories and those real experiences make it harder for 
well, you know, this is selfish, harder for people like you and me, Michael, to, to go about what we think uh, baptisms should actually be like, where it's a journey, like April yeah. talks about, like, it's a mess. You know, I love that she, she talks about how evangelism in the Jesus way is dirty. It's disgusting, but it's beautiful yeah. because God yeah. made us out of dirt. So who are we to not get back in the dirt with people around us? So yeah. I, I love this conversation. And it's funny because even though we were interviewing these people, listening back, like I'm afresh with all these emotions of anger, excitement, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's real. This conversation is so needed. I feel like we, we should do a whole season just on evangelism alone. <laughs> seasons within seasons. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I think the, uh, I think sometimes we're just too afraid, like you say, to dive into the work of living life with people and not for a particular end, mean, or goal, but just simply living life with people because that's what Jesus calls us to do. And then he sorts out all the rest. Right. 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 You know, evangelism, evangelism is sharing Jesus and, and the requirement to share Jesus is not burdensome. It's my life. You know, I, I'm so down. I'll talk to you about Jesus all day. You can talk to me about Jesus all day. Let's find new ways for you to uh, serve the Lord, figure out how you can serve him so that, you know, you can deepen or yeah, deepen your relationship with God. Those are your conversations all day we can have. I feel like everything that we do should, should support that. Um, your relationship with God growing deeper. Um, it's the baptism thing. It's the baptism thing where, uh, you know, in order, where sometimes we measure successful evangelism by how many baptisms you have. Uh, that if you don't baptize, and I'm not saying this is the conference perspective, but this can be the push that you feel, even, even between colleagues, speaking between colleagues, how many baptisms? Oh, you know, how are you, how's your church doing? Oh, I've had 10 baptisms this year and da, 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 you know, whatever it may be. Whereas, you know, it's, it's like a forefront that, oh, in order for me to show my success, I've got to have baptisms in the book. I do believe that we need to have baptisms because baptisms represent people making choices for Christ. But yes, but there are people who have already been baptized who still don't know Jesus. And so they might not step in and be baptized, but they're still worth the time to deepen their relationship with God. It's, it's not about, have you been baptized? Let me baptize you. I think there's a huge part of evangelism that is dependent on before and after. You know, how, let, me, let me bring you into relationship with God and then let me help you sustain that relationship. Baptism is a, is a decision you make. And it's, it's an outward pro proclamation of what's going on inside, but it's not at all the entire journey. You know, it doesn't, there's not something magical that happens at baptism where now all of a sudden I will never stray from God or question him or wonder. And I think that those who have been baptized, especially at a young age and walked away from God are just as important uh, when it comes to bringing into the fold as someone that's never heard the gospel. So. I definitely think it's misinterpreted. Um, you know, I think we all read Paul's writings and it is not just Paul. I mean, Paul writes a lot of the New Testament books that we consider Paul writing them with other people. It's not just him. But, you know, when he says, follow me as I follow Christ, I think we all take that very seriously. And we're all Paul's in our own way. But I love the part, um, and I think this is in 1 Corinthians where he talks about is is Christ divided? Um, you know, some of you say, I follow, you know, Paul. Apollos. I follow Apollos. And then he goes, well, I'm grateful I didn't baptize most of you guys <laughs> except for this one person's house. I think I might have baptized others. I don't know. And then he goes on. And I think, um, I think that is coming out of that mindset. I think the early church and uh, nothing is new. I think right. this concept was is quite archaic. I think many people were like, well, I view it this way and I view it this way. And, and, you know, this is the only way. And you have to believe as I believe exactly how I believe. 
um, recently, uh, Pastor Russ Laughlin preached a sermon at our last Vespers where he says, you know, we could split this up and saying, well, I'm a liberal or I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. And, you know, I follow this candidate or I follow that candidate. And um, and then he's, you know, is Christ divided? And I think a lot of times we get really like emotional if something is not done exactly the way that I feel that it's done, then it's it, it, it somehow lost its spiritual flavor. There's definitely like this idea within our church that, and to be honest, I'm not even 100% sure how it came to be, but I do remember uh, one of uh, an elder telling me that the membership of the church has to reflect the names that are also written in the book of life in heaven. So there was this idea that when Jesus comes and if he were to ask the church for like a, or the membership list, then it's almost like it better match up with the list that he has or that it should match up with the list that he has. And so that just didn't sit right with me. Like that doesn't make sense. For one thing, you know, we're humans and like our record keeping is abysmal. And so I don't see, <laughs> I don't see that happening. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, yeah, the idea that you have to be a member of a church in order to be saved, I don't know if I can really like get to that point. Um, I remember another elder later on uh, when I was in undergrad, he said something that always stuck with me uh, even to this day. He said that I, I am a Christian first and I just happen to be Adventist right now. Um, and so the idea was that, and he was talking the like he was preaching in the context of, you know, end times and what the end groups would be like um in the i guess like right before jesus comes you know we believe that there will only really be two groups you know god's people and those that are not his people and so there's no like divisions no different groups and different like uh denominations and things like at that point so he's like so at some point we're all going to have to make a decision of is our loyalty to god or is it to the organization and so that is something that has always stuck with me um, because it, it, it keeps me, yeah, it keeps the perspective in mind that where our, where our loyalty should lie is with Jesus and Jesus alone. And so not so much with the organization because the organization is man-made and it could fail. Um, I believe that the Bible teaches us that they will fail at one point. You know, we just have to be ready to step aside from that and be like, okay, you know, we knew that was coming, but I am... I am and always have been on God's side. And so I'm going to follow the lamb, you know, wherever he goes. And so in that context, I kind of see as that this type of idea that like, in order to be saved, you have to be a member of a church. I could see how that could get in the way for when that happens. You know, it, it might lead you to follow the organization more than following after God and, and Jesus. You know, something that's really, really was imperative for me and really critical for my view on evangelism was from Kenley Hall, Dr. Hall up at the uh, Ad Adventist University Seminary. Um, he paints evangelism as a scale of negative 10 to 10. So, for example, if 10 is Jesus, 10 is the goal, that's who we're trying to be like, that's Jesus. Negative 10 would be um, somebody who's apathetic, someone who doesn't even care uh, that Christianity exists. Um, you know, it's not even on their radar, right? So, so in Dr. Hall's explanation of evangelism, moving from negative one to zero is baptism. Zero is the starting point. Mm -hmm. That is that is the success of evangelism. Moving from negative one to zero. However, moving somebody from negative eight, who is uh, not apathetic anymore, but is antagonistic towards Christianity, you know, they feel passion. If they move from a negative eight to a negative seven, that's a success of evangelism. If we have somebody who has been in the church for a while, who is still at zero, they've been baptized, but they're stuck and they feel like they don't know how to even read the Bible or, or get closer to Jesus themselves, you know, moving them from a zero to a one where they're taking those steps to be more like Jesus, that's a success in evangelism. So if we broaden the scope to more than just that negative one to zero, which we need to be honest, is a huge step. Of course, it's beautiful. We celebrate it. Yeah. But if we acknowledge those other steps as well, I feel like we will, we will see so much more clearly how God is working outside of just the baptistry. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I don't have anything to add because I feel like I'd just be repeating what you're saying. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I just, I that, like, <laughs> this is just between me and you. I, I mean, you, I don't think you need to add this, but, like, um, yeah, like, for me, that was something that was really, 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 really pivotal for me to understand what evangelism was because, you know, I, I, I still, through most of seminary, was like, ugh, you know, I love Jesus. I love these things that we're learning, but, like, I don't want to just do a bunch of series. I don't want to yeah. do a bunch of these things. I, that's That doesn't seem to it doesn't resonate with me at all. So I feel like there are others that it doesn't resonate with. Right. Um, so, so hearing that explanation of literally you can be playing disc golf with someone and conversing with them. And that's evangelism. If you're moving them one step closer to, to Jesus yeah. and it's a lifestyle thing, not an event thing. So right. yeah, you look um, how Jesus dealt with his disciples. I mean, he's down on the seashore by Peter and Andrew as they're, getting ready to, or coming back in from not catching anything. And he's like, hey. Right, right. You know, and he's called, like, Matthew, he walks up to Matthew's tax booth. And is like, dude, come on, follow me. And I love how the the chosen paints the picture because there is, in some ways, the Gospels, it kind of feels as if uh, Jesus just walks up to a random stranger and is like, hey, come follow me. Um, (laughs) Right. You know, because the, the 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 gospels are so focused on the on the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, it's like boom. But and we forget that he was a human being before those three and a half years, and he had to have known some of these people, and right. arguably he could have grown up with some of them. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. he he's he's a human being interacting with people, and it's not just out of the blue that he's like, "All right, come follow me." that there's a relationship happening along the ways, along the way. And after uh, he says, follow me, there's more relationship. I don't, I don't emphasize that I'm a pastor, Um, not even to my own people. Like I'm Tyson. Um, I'm just a guy Uh, much to the dismay of my mother. She's like, you're a pastor. You should get the respect of a pastor. I'm like, I get respect. I get enough respect, but it's not, it's not about me. You know, it, it never was, never is, never will be about me. It's about Jesus. And um, I hope my dream, uh, you know, for me to be successful in ministry or in evangelism or whatever aspect of ministry you want to fill in that blank, it's if people have come in contact with me, if they were drawn closer to Jesus and maybe just maybe see him in me somehow um that's success um it's great baptizing people it's great doing you know those highlight ministry things like weddings and baby dedications and baptisms and um you know those are great um it's great to see that our giving is up this year and you know our tithe is really well doing really well and and you know people are being faithful but that doesn't really say a whole lot about me does it i mean that's about people's relationship with their lord um and if and yeah maybe i'm a part of that in encouraging but um success in ministry whether you're a professional whether you just hold an office in the church like a deacon or a a deaconess or an elder uh, or the children's Sabbath school teacher. That's all ministry. To be successful in ministry is to point people to Jesus and for people to look up and and see him and their lives begin to change. Um, And so much of that has nothing to do with me, (laughs) nothing to do with us as ministers um, of the gospel. It's all about Jesus. I think that we've kind of made it known that, okay, to, to become Adventist, you've got to go through these studies because we as Adventists believe these things. I think even in that presentation, it's it's the wrong approach. It's more like there are 28 things about Jesus that I think are awesome. I would love for you to get to know them more because I do believe that those fundamental beliefs lead you into a deeper relationship with God. That's why we stand on them. Uh, I don't think we have to count them out, like, but but you know, like, you know what I mean? Like these are pivotal things about Jesus that you should know. That's a whole different shift. You know, it's not about how to become Adventist. 
It's about how do I see God's love in the in in His Word in my life, and because I think that's really what those fundamental beliefs push is how to see Jesus. Um, but that that's that's definitely one way. I think for me. Uh, I'm new to the area that I'm in. I, I moved here in 2018. I say new because 2020 doesn't count. <laughs> so, um, I spent the first couple of um, first couple of years just really trying to get to know my young people. Who plays football? Who um, who has siblings? What do you want to be? What do you what do you like in church? The first time I walked into our Sabbath school classroom for youth, I asked them, "Hey, um, so are there things that you want to happen that that you could it, it, anything you could choose? We could do. What would you want to do?" And they're like, "Oh, we're fine. You know, it, we we're fine with what we have." And then I asked them, "What do you have?" And they're like, "A Sabbath school and a, a, a just Sabbath school." You know, and I'm like, "And that's okay with you guys?" And they're like, "Yeah, because it's just a thing I do on Sabbath." You know, that's the mentality. Sabbath is something I do on Sabbath, but they don't really realize the community aspect. Like you belong to a body of Christ and you matter. So is there anything I can do to help you see Jesus better? You know, that that to me is like, a, it's it's pivotal. So I, I spent a lot of time just, you know, I'll, I'll go to your game. I'll throw my voice out screaming for you and, you know, cheering you on. Uh, we can sit and just talk for a bit. I'm gonna know. I'm gonna learn your name. Learning names has been such a big deal to me. Like I, that's like a first step. If you don't know my name, like how can you go past that? And and we have like you know we're not keen, but we have like 600 so members. You know, it's a um, it's a quite a, a a good amount of people. We have a lot of young people too. But I think the first steps just getting to know their name, getting to know their interests. What do you think about God right now? Um, do you want to study more? If not, then then tell me more about you and where your walk is at. You know, I feel like those kinds of conversations will lead to, it's a longer route, yeah, but I think it'll lead to a deeper bond with them and God and a, a safe place between them and I to ask questions. You know, the common thread is that it's all about Jesus. Yeah. And I love, I love, love, love that kind of evangelism where the head is on straight, yeah. where we see it's not about us. It's not about our method even, or the new shiny thing or what. It's just let Jesus shine because he is the thing that we are doing this for. So why would we try to bring anyone else in under any other kind of pretense? And to me, that's refreshing to hear that perspective. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it in a text thread that we had about this episode before, um, we sat down to record the commentary was how, um, and I just, I lost it as I tried to, <laughs> it's in the text, but <laughs> the, um, oh, how our, how our generation is really dealing with some PTSD from how evangelism has gone wrong. And yeah. the way that you and I, and along with our friends and colleagues who we interviewed for this episode are working through that is to unpack and break down the wrongs of before and do something and to build something better. And, right. you know, I don't think that that we, I think we have to acknowledge that that's not the case for every single person that's gone through the Seventh-day Adventist evangelism cycle. You know, we, I think we've been, uh, you know, God's placed a calling on our life and, but for the grace of Christ, we would be outside of the Seventh-day Adventist denomination. We would be outside of Christianity because we see the hypocrisy and we see the this, that, and the other thing. But I believe God's called us for the particular purpose of pointing people back to Jesus and saying, hey, there's been uh, systematic wrongdoings that have happened. Yes, we want to acknowledge that. We want to apologize to you for that. You've been specifically hurt by a particular person. We want to acknowledge that. We want to, we want to let you know that um, we're here for you. We'll, we'll listen. We'll talk about it. However, we can be of support, and we want to point you to Jesus because we feel that there's a better representation of who God is than what's been what's been presented to you. I see evangelism um, fitting into more biblical perspective when it moves into the emphasis of being about people. 100% uh, about people. 
um, the way that Jesus did evangelism was totally people focused. Um, you know, there was no room for dependence upon a program, upon uh, another like list of things to do. It was really just about, I see an individual, I want to know their story, and I want to show them how Jesus, how God can be a part of that story or has been a part of that story already. You know, feeding people, offering uh, free food, especially during a pandemic, uh, has been a huge, with no strings attached. It's like, oh, we'll give you this food if you come to our, our church service, or you have to first listen to this sermon, and then you can get your food. No, like, there's no strings attached. Like, just come. Come as you are. Come with your needs. Come with your messed up life or your perfect life, whatever you, wherever you think you're at on that spectrum. We want to give you some food because we love you and we care about you. That is a renewed connection between the heart and the hands. You have to love people. You care about them deeply. And you're actually doing something to demonstrate that. What I do have to push myself to do is neighbor well. And I recommend The Art of Neighboring. Uh, that book is really good because it really asks the question, do we know the people around us? And are we really, you know, it's, it's, we, we have a, 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 a persona that we give to people, we go to them. And a lot of the times, the people that are our neighbors, we do not know them. A lot of times, we're so focused on reaching people, but we're not walking through life with them. And that is a very important part of evangelism. We have, it's messy and it's not, it's not clean it's you're you're gonna you're gonna get your hands dirty you're gonna be involved in someone's business that you might not want to be involved in and i think a lot of us are like mm, i'd rather just pass a pamphlet out really it depends on that individual has that has that experience caused them to walk away from church walk away from god um because some people walk away from church um kind of like in their minds they've left the church but they didn't leave god when in reality it's not not that the church is how you connect with God, but sometimes we don't realize when we walk away from the church, we also walk away from anything that church resembles. So there goes that 28 fundamental beliefs that will help me deepen my relationship with God. Um, and it's not because I don't believe those 28 fundamentals, it's because I identify those 28 points with that church. No matter who you are, no matter what walk of life you're from, you have an audience before the throne of God. And so I believe that's where evangelism needs to go if we want it to be something that can reach more and more people. My defining focus within ministry is to be a place where I encourage questions yeah. um, and allow, allow for people to ask things that I know I uh, have been very hesitant to ask in a religious context before, um, so it's been really healing for me to be able to challenge things that I think are stupid that seem like sacred cows within the uh, church context. So, so yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty I, good. At that. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I, I feel like uh, it, it's a cool thing now, you know, that I have been. I, I don't even know the right verb, thrust into yeah. a position of religious authority. Um, like Tyson says, I don't, I don't like to lord that over people at all. I hardly ever call myself pastor. Right. Um, but, but to be able to ask questions about faith is not toxic. It's like the Growing Young book says, you know, the silence is what's toxic to faith. Yeah. And uh, this is why we're having this discussion in the first place, right? This is why we have this podcast because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're asking the hard question of where's God, and right now, where's God in evangelism? And and this this is so good. So so I don't know if we're gonna add this to the episode or <laughs> not, but but I just I, I really hope this conversation continues and is not just like wow, you know, these people that uh, Michael and Johnny interviewed really really said some good stuff. All right, now back to my stress and angst. Yeah. Like, I hope that you invite this conversation to those in your sphere, that you're able to dialogue about things within church that maybe you feel doesn't represent Jesus. Why or why not? Like, let's talk about it. Let's not just be frustrated and move on. We, we need to bring the mold into the light mm -hmm. so that it can be killed. Yeah.
Yeah, and I think to to kind of dovetail into what you're saying, uh, a great conversation piece, and I think a follow up that we're gonna have to make to this episode, whether it's in this season or in a, a coming season, is a conversation around what role specifically does Christianity and Seventh Day Adventism play in teaching people how to walk in the way of Jesus, calling people to walk Love in it. the way of Jesus. Um, I, I've, this episode has been so cathartic and therapeutic for me and I think for our friends and mm-hmm. colleagues that we interviewed. Um, but we don't want to just leave it at, you know, oh, everything is was terrible and here's the things that, you know, where I've seen glimmers of hope in it. As we continue to ask the question, where's God? Where is the church within God's mission of calling people to him? How do we carry forward in these uncertain times and in a world where it seems like everybody's on pins and needles about what to say, about what belief to hold, um, whether where my beliefs may not line up with yours, and sometimes that's seen as offensive on both sides of the fence, political, like wherever you want to be, uh, how do we move forward? Yeah, perfectly said. And, and thank you, dear listener, for bearing with us <laughs> as we, you know, we have so many things that we're passionate about and so many things that we want to talk yeah. about. If you feel like your viewpoint wasn't represented, it wasn't intentional. And I second suggest that you call us out and tell us explicitly what we did not say that you would like to have heard. So we want to, we want to share our platform. So please, uh, you know, you can go to anchor.com slash where's God. You can send us a voice message and we would be happy to to air your your question and in, in dialogue right here in this podcast. Yeah, so all of our content is on all of our contact information is down in the show notes. Uh, as Johnny said, we, we want to dialogue with you because uh, we feel that conversation is important and that we each get to see a better picture of where God is when we bring our perspectives to the table. <laughs>